Hello, it's Maya and it's Motive. And are you ready to be bummed out? Cause this case has me bummed out for two days straight, boy. Let's dive in. On August 28, 2003, after having robbed the bank and being cornered by the police, the bomb wrapped around the neck of Brian Wells exploded, killing him instantly. This crime has been orchestrated by Marjorie Deal Armstrong in a plot to get money to hire a man to kill her father. We know the crime, we have our victim, we have our killer. What was the motive? Now, if there has ever been a case that has been the Bojack Horseman of life, it is this one. I swear to God, I rewatched Evil Genius again, and I feel like those producers felt the same thing as me. Like, there is a need to actually think about the motive for this case. There's a need to actually be like, why is this been done? Why has it been done the way it has been done? But then at the same time, at every single curveball, you're like, it's just gonna be a bummer. It's like, yep, there's gonna be a cliffhanger, guys. There's going to be something, and it's gonna like, it's gonna solve it. You know, she's gonna be interviewed by the police. She's gonna say something, or like, yeah, they found somebody else. Yeah, they're gonna tell them something. Nope, this person dies. This person, this lead doesn't lead anywhere. It is just, and then like, I watched, you know, after having researched. Again, I watched The Evil Genius, and I was like, this is exactly how these guys felt. This is exactly how these, um, this series has been produced. It is just such a bummer case. But yeah, if anybody out there has come here, you know, with the same thought as I have, which is like, thinking, why has this woman done this? You're in the right place, because we're gonna dive straight in. So I'm going to join this time the discovery and the crime, just because it actually makes sense and it's sort of like, you know, it makes sense for the storytelling purposes, it wraps it all together. So we are going to focus first on the Brian's last day alive. What I appreciate about the case, at least, it's that it is treated like the death of Brian Wells rather than, you know, again, Marjorie, you know, prolific serial killer whatever whatever so i like that edge at least when it comes to researching the case and listening to different podcasts as well it's like okay at least you know the focus here was right and then it doesn't stop it from being a bummer but hey so just after 1 30 pm the pizza shop owner where brian worked at took the order for two pizzas from a caller claiming to be a member of the construction crew the address where Brian was actually um, directed at actually turned out to be a dirt road leading to like some random building and a transmission tower and some satellite issues. So it was just basically just a random location he was given and the building was actually empty most of the days. So it's not actually clear if he ever reached the tower. What is known is that Brian then headed to the bank uh, or just off Peach Street at 2.30 carrying the bomb and the note uh, for the tellers. I never knew the staff at the bank. Yeah, just sitting at the front desk is called tellers. There's, listen, there's a sad, 
amount of information that you can actually use here for the lightness of the content, okay? And I'm taking every chance at it, okay? Tellers, yeah? Is this how you say it in the UK? That's the thing that I never, yeah, heard. So he told the employees um, to work fast and fill the bag with 250,000. They had 15 minutes and then the teller actually told Wells that there's no way to get the world at that time fill a bag, um, you know, and for him to be out and about in 15 minutes. So they managed to collect like around 8,000, 8,700. One thing that strikes you, listen, this is the first thing, if you're an investigator or if you just know true crime, that like immediately jumps up at you. It's a specific amount. Now, when you look at that sum, for somebody like me, it immediately jumps up. This is not a roundup sum of money. Like, we, we've seen the shows, we know like people who just ask for something even more ridiculous than this. Like, oh, give me actually 8,750 pounds, that's what I need, like, take this out of the block. Like, what are you doing? And then they need it for like a specific purpose, you know, like an operation or like something either, you know, humble or like a specific, they need a specific amount of money for something heinous, like in this case. So that thing jumped out at me straight away, and it jumped out at the police officers as well. Which, again, if you're a criminal, just, you need to know true crime, to like to do true crime, yeah? Wise words, wise words, hit it up. Imagine this, there's pictures, there's pictures, there's videos of him being blown up. I don't recommend searching for that. I am not that fucked up yet in my head, but it's very obvious he walks in with a bomb around his head even though it's like wrapped under the shirt because it's like a huge square bulge on his chest so after having walked in um and found himself like he found himself in a car chase with the police um that actually didn't last for long so they caught up with him at a parking place not far from the bank they basically handcuff him but then they realize hey it's a bomb so they kind of like do the distancing themselves part and hide behind their cars and they're like yeah the bomb squad is on the way what he told the police while they were handcuffing him is uh, that a dark-skinned man attached the bomb to his neck, clicking it closed with the combination locked, so there seems to be a timer. He said the man told him he must drop the bank and return the money before the, the bomb would be defused. So they're hiding behind the cars, they notice the bomb on this guy and there's a timer. He is just helplessly just sitting in front of a police car on the floor. And then the panic ensues because the bomb starts beeping and finally explodes, killing him on the spot. And only minutes after the bomb squad made it to the location. That's when we find again, I'm like, oh, we're going to find out what happened. He might actually tell the truth because this is a bollock story. But hey, he might actually come around, tell them what happened. They might find the note, they might find the links. Nope, this guy is just dead on the place and the bomb squad doesn't make it in time. Yes, great, dead end, love it. Because this case is full of bummer cliffhangers, which are not real cliffhangers, you know what that reminded me of? Oh, Gossip Girl outros. Yes. So, twice in this episode, we are going to have a Gossip Girl pointless outro. Because that's what makes sense in this case. Let's not bum ourselves out. Let's leave it on a flat note that leads nowhere, but it's at least fun. So, the bomb squad doesn't make it in time? Nobody saves this guy. Just don't get you comfortable, kids, because you never know when the other shoe is going to drop. XOXO, Gossip Girl. 
So the bomb squad was apparently first called at 3.04 p.m. at least 30 minutes after the first call. And then at 3.15, sorry, 3.18 p.m. Just three minutes before the bomb squad arrived, the bomb detonated and blasted. So the bomb squad was first called at 3.04 p.m. at least 30 minutes after the first call. And then at 3.18, just three minutes before the bomb squad arrived, the bomb actually detonated and blasted a fist-sized hole in Wells' chest. This is definitely copy-paste. Um, also, how was it fist-sized? Listen, I don't wanna know. How was it fist-sized if the shape was a square? Asking too much, don't wanna look it up, don't wanna know how it was, let's just believe it. Okay, so I'm thinking of it from both sides. Police side, they call the bomb squad too late because it's not a real bomb, but they don't think it's a real bomb. Clearly, it ended up to be. But then again, I'm thinking of it from the perp side. So whoever, like, you're thinking at that point, whoever put the bomb around this guy's neck was probably waiting for a call. Being like, hey, you know, these are your timings. You have 15 minutes to collect the money. You know, you get the hell out of there. Like, if we don't hear from you by this time. Just imagine what was going on through that guy's head. He was just, you know, sitting there. The button is beeping and he knows, he knows he's out. There's no savior. This case is uh, such a bummer. Okay, so he's dead. They start looking into the car, into any other clues. So they find a note that had instructions for him to carry out four tasks. Okay, now this part reminds me of, you know, like those couple of steps proposals. They're like, oh, nice and romantic. And you go there and you find this and you find the next clue and you go to the next clue and you're like, ah, oh, so cringe. Yeah, this is the opposite of that. <laughs> Which I mean, sorry, I know everybody was expecting this to be, you know, marriage proposal, but it's not, guys. It's not what you guys expected. Hey, <laughs> it's robbing a bank. It's more serious than that. So the first was the bank robbery, and obviously he had the set period of time. <laughs> so I just had a laughing fit because husband sent me a video of people trying heroin for the first time. <laughs> I'm trying everything. You know, not to focus so hard on this. It's like, okay, try, try to focus hard. Let's do this, man. Let's do this. It's serious. Okay, so there's a four step. Listen, they call this like a genius plan, yeah? So first is the robbery. And then he is to go to a certain location, get instructions, and go to the next one. And then he is to collect keys that would actually then, in the end, end up opening the, um, the bomb and detonating it. <laughs> ah, good. He can. Wrong. Wrong. Okay, so he was, if he was to do as promised, he'd wind up with the keys and the combination required to free himself from the bomb. Failure! Well, ended up in what it ended up to. The note said it's directed to the bomb hostage immediately dehumanized, disassociate from the human. He's a bomb hostage. The note says there's only one way for you to survive, and that is to cooperate completely. This powerful booby trap bomb can be removed only by following our instructions. Act now, think later, or you will die. Okay, so the police then figures out that there is, you know, a, like a flower bed, so the next signpost basically for him was a flower bed, you know, close by to where they actually chase him down to and by the sign there's a note tape to the bottom and it gives them the next like in the following instructions 
So he has to go to Pierce Street to a wooded area several miles away where there's this container with orange tape and where he'd find, you know, other set of instructions. So they go, they find the jar where apparently the next clue um, is supposed to be, uh, be placed, but it was empty. So the criminals caught up with it and yeah, that thread is gone. Again, another dead end. I love it. So this again just testifies that, hey, they were watching this the whole way through and this is why the bomb actually detonated as well. This whole case is just like a sequence of this woman's psychotic mind that just goes into, this person will not talk and I will do everything in my power to make them not talk. And it's just like irrational number of decisions where she goes like, that she resorts to. And now, well, the police to say the rest said that like, Regardless of what had unfolded, the Wells would have never had enough time to complete the tasks to get the bomb defused. So the police traveled the route on the note, well the part they could pick up on, and couldn't complete it in the time that was allocated on the note, which was obvious from, you know, that he was 15 minutes in the back and they couldn't actually put that amount of money. So again, for somebody to, to think about a plan that will just immediately not succeed, that just tells you again a lot about the perp because they put it in somebody else it's like if if it was you doing this would you have done it differently or is it just you are expanding you know it's the expenditure of somebody's life so you really don't care like if they die or they even complete it just if you want the money why so that's what baffles me about this case because they, you know, I understand, okay, cool, you don't give a fuck about somebody's life. You're dehumanizing a human, like a person. You never expect them to complete this task. But then, did you want that money in the first place? How are you getting this if he doesn't complete any of the steps? How was this going for your head? So then, obviously, after his death, they search Wells' house and they find a list of people they think that were included into this plot. And it includes two prostitutes um, that were, you know, unknown to the other members of the family. And one he frequented. And then, so they start basically speaking to these prostitutes that leads them to different leads. So it opens up this jar with like a bunch of characters that these prostitutes just start speaking about. That leads them to one man, Bill Rothstein, who just appeared to be a man who offered a house next to a TV tower. So like, huh, that's in the area, that's definitely, you know, the geolocation checks out, let's check this place out. Um, he turned out to be hiding a dark secret. So they're still investigating this on September 20th, so just less than a month before this whole bomb ordeal. Rothstein actually called 911 and he said there's a frozen body at uh, his freezer. Like, okay, okay. So within hours of making the call, he's in custody, he tells the cops he's been in agony for weeks, uh, you know, he just tells them the story like he's been thinking of killing himself, it's too much for him, he even wrote a suicide note. So in the suicide note he um, identifies the man in the freezer, Jim Roden, and noted that he did not kill him, he did not participate in his death. And the note opened with a curious disclaimer, this has nothing to do with the Wells case. When these men started popping up, I was like, where is this going? So when I first watched Evil Genius, I was really not that into this case, because I was like, this is way too many plots that are just leading nowhere. Oh, a nosy neighbor who's staring at me. Go into your car. For fuck's sake, never seen a chick with a mic. 
Slightly aggressive, slightly aggressive, slightly typeless training. Get the fuck out, sir. Okay. So at this point, you know, this point in this case, if you're just like me, you're like, why are these men getting involved? What is actually happening? You know, who orchestrated this? There's prostitutes, there's suddenly men, there's a body in the freezer. Like, we are lost. Like, what, how does this apparently has nothing to do with Brian Wallace's case? Which, all, of course, means genius. Don't put that as a disclaimer in the first line, because it definitely means it has something to do with Brian Wallace's case. They are questioning him and investigating this whole thing again. He explains, so Rothstein explains to the police that a dead man came to be in the freezer. Say what? So this is where Marjorie comes into the plot. So in mid-August, he'd received a phone call from the ex-girlfriend, Marjorie Dill Armstrong. He dated her, like, decades ago, so in 60s and 70s. So she tells him she shot her boyfriend and she needs his help removing the body and cleaning the scene about 10 miles from Rothstein's place. He just, you know, blindly goes ahead with this, just does what she asks again. Yeah, totally not something you should do if somebody rings you up, you know, after you've dated them freaking three decades ago. Or even if you dated them yesterday and they call you and they're like, hey, there's a body with somebody, help me clean it up. What is this friendship? What is this relationship? Why is this so toxic? <sighs> there's no happy ending in this story. There's no. Fairy tales are full of kids. Don't even tell your kids fairy tales. Listen, Santa, does he exist? Huh? Yes. Yes. <laughs> So he then keeps the corpse in a chest freezer. 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 So he keeps the corpse in the chest freezer in his garage for five weeks. He keeps the body in the freezer. Her directions are to actually grind up the body. Like she's like, no, just dispose of him somehow, melt him, grind him up, whatever. And then he, you know, the suicide note comes along. He calls 911 because he was afraid of what she will do to him. Well, mate, why get yourself involved in the first place? Of course you're afraid. Like, you are hiding somebody else's ex in the freezer. Of course you're afraid what's gonna happen to you. So she gave him instructions, you know, to basically get rid of the weapon and then to, like, grind up the body, which he w couldn't go through with. So he calls 911 and he says, yeah, he's scared of what she might do to him. Like, yeah, yeah, you, you, you should be scared. Maybe, you know, if you don't go around trying to help, like, you know, your ex clean the body of her ex, then you don't end up that way. No. The police doesn't wait any longer, so uh, the day after, he rang 911, a wrong dial code. The Armstrong was arrested uh, for the murder of Roden. And then, 16 months later, she pleaded guilty but mentally ill and was sentenced to... 7 to 20 years in state prison. So she was again... It wasn't even Brian Wells' murder, it was the murder of the boyfriend. Brian Wells never got his justice. Let's just... Let's just finalize that. Let's just, you know, keep you going <laughs> through this case by telling you this case has never reached justice. There was never a resolution for this. So she was charged for the murder, for the, the freezer murder, yeah? Rothstein was passed, like, caring about her. He's given her up to the cops. He died of lymphoma in July 2004. Again, every story here just ends up slightly depressing. I love covering this case, and this is amazing. Okay. So she has been sort of given up um, by Rothstein and by everybody involved, basically, who they managed to, to catch. 
in question because everybody kind of it was like yep she was the mastermind we had nothing to do with this apparently she suggested to them that they kill her father so that they would receive an inheritance barnes so another man another you know one of those great characters um told her he will do it but for two hundred thousand. so the collar bomb the bank robbery was all like hatched to get funds to you know get enough money for her to kill her dad again how just why set the amount like that first of all there's not enough time but even if there was you would need more money if you're paying out basically hitman then hired somebody to kill your dad and then you're paying off everybody else involved so in return uh, for the reduced sentence Barnes actually told the investigators that she was the mastermind she wanted the money to pay up you know for him to kill the dad who she believed was wasting her in why can I not pronounce this fucking word? Who <laughs> she believed was wasting her inheritance. Who she believed was wasting her inheritance. Cool, you see? Got it. <laughs> what she didn't know, however, is that her dad excluded her out of her will a long time ago. So this would have never worked. Nobody had to die, guys. None of these people had to die. Aren't you happy now? Aren't you happy? You're making me do this. <laughs> Yeah, please send your suggestions, you know, motivepod at gmail.com or hit me up on Twitter, you know, that would be great. So that I don't do bummer cases anymore, they interest me. Okay, so this new guy tells him that the guy from the freezer actually also knew of, you know, her criminal past. Um, and he was going to snitch on her as well, so she threatened him. It's just like Belganising this whole thing. She is just going at it. Every man that comes in the way, you know, her getting her money is the dead man. That's it. They're all a liability. Fuck it. Why? I believe there's some deep-rooted hatred towards men there. We'll see from the background. But this woman, I mean, you can already kind of guess by the environment where this is happening. There has been some abuse. Yeah, it's just every man fails her. Every man would actually go to the police and become a traitor. So why not? They deserve it in her mind. So who really was Marjorie Armstrong? Let's just go into her background and the background of Brian Wells. Now you're of course wondering, in the years before the crime, has Marjorie shown any criminal characteristics? Has she done anything else? Well, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So she met this woman at a food bank, apparently, and she offered her a place to stay because they were both in these abusive relationships. So the woman offered Marjorie a place to stay, and Marjorie just turned up at her place randomly, being like, hey, so, you know, great that you offered me a place to stay. So in the meantime, I kind of killed my boyfriend and need to get rid of the body. Is that something that, you know, can be done? And this woman freaked fuck out, called her sister, and, you know, got the fuck out of there and told, my, told the mom to ring the police. So in that case, she was just acquitted on the claims of self-defense and, you know, her husband and several other partners all died under suspicious circumstances. So she was just, yeah, getting off from any freaking sentence before freezer murder popped up. In the case of Marjorie Deal Armstrong, the police has reached yet another dead end. But on the Upper East Side, you may stand down, but you can never give up. And the bitterest feuds are always labors of love. But our most dangerous enemies are the ones we never know we had. So if you want peace, always be prepared for war. XOXO, Gossip Girl. How, you wonder, how did that happen? How does this woman just start snapping and killing people? 
Well, she had different multiple mental illnesses since her early teens, including bipolar disorder. She also, I don't think this is a mental illness, but she was a hoarder. Hoarders have specific characteristics in themselves. I genuinely don't understand the concept of hoarding, but hey, it's bipolar hoarder. Sorry, not enough. I know bipolar people, they don't go around snapping. Hoarders, we know hoarders that end up on TLC. Just go, get, like, get chained, get a life. Oh my god, you know what this reminds me of? The character, like, what Marjorie reminds me of is the characters of this show on Channel 5, that is Shoplifters and Proud. If you ever want to waste some time of your days and life, just watch Shoplifters and Proud. It's kind of like, you know, the British version of Ocean 8, but people kind of have the mentality of Little England people. They're just stuck in poverty, stuck in shoplifting, and they don't have any intention of getting out of there. They think they're living their best life. That is Marjorie here. Now, there are two versions of Brian Wells' background. So, of course, there's people that have been interviewed, you know, post-crime, his landlords, his um, friends that have said, you know, he would have never committed this, that he was that guy um, who was, you know, on the shy side, he just doesn't add up. And then, like, her landlady's son just jumps in and he's like, he was too simple. Like, there was no way this guy was part of the conspiracy. I kind of agree with the too simple thing. But you need to think about two different plots here. There was no, like, defensive wounds on him, so the bomb was put on him voluntarily. So, there's a question of either he was a voluntary participant, and, you know, the story is, the story told by the accomplices was um, that he appeared, like, on the day before the robbery for, like, a trial run. He was all fine because, you know, they told him, yeah, the bomb was fake. And then on the actual day of the robbery, when they put the bomb on him, he was resisting. He didn't want to do it anymore, but he couldn't get the bomb out. And then to put some fear into him, they, like, fired a gun into the air. So there's two theories here. Either that he was, A, a willing participant, and he just went with a bomb around his neck, believing it was a fake bomb. Or that he was actually forced to put this bomb on himself, and then, yeah, he was just participating in this from the get-go. In both cases, that's why I sort of agree that, yeah, he wasn't just an innocent victim here because, I'm sorry, you have a trial run to put a bomb around your neck and you don't get out of there. Like, how? How do you put this much trust? I don't trust anybody. I don't trust myself sometimes, you know? Let alone you trust somebody to put a bomb around your neck and you're like, it's a fake bomb. How do you put this much trust into people? I don't trust anybody, people. Fuck's sake. So Mr. Wells, he dropped out of the high school when he was a sophomore, he was a mechanic, and basically they're saying, so everybody, like his family and friends are saying, he didn't even own a computer, he didn't know how to navigate the internet. So what they're saying is, why would he be involved into some plot that included, you know, this well-constructed bomb that the FBI has never seen. His landlady said he was proud, so he would never accept, like, any food or any money that they would offer him, you know, he... Love that he was actually providing for himself, doing these pizza deliveries while being a mechanic. So yeah, good good for him, but then why get yourself involved in this? It's just bothering me. This guy was actually doing okay for himself. So they said he would engage um, in chat with neighbors, was really friendly. He would discuss Survivor, you know, the reality TV shows, mystery novels, lone mower engines, 
all like random weirdo topics but nothing to indicate that he would ever you know just get engaged into something like this so that's why you don't know anybody and don't trust anybody and don't let somebody put a collar around your neck ever are you a dog no don't let a collar around your neck even in your sexual fantasies or a bomb especially not a bomb if they tell you it's a bomb it's a definite no no okay i love when there's such weird background on the <laughs> When the victim that this pops up in his freshman year at East High School in Erie, uh, records show he failed algebra in Spanish, earned D's in English, science in geography, and earned his lone A in swimming. Why do I need to know this shit? <laughs> How is this useful that he failed algebra in Spanish? God, it's just to show that he was simple, but I'm like, why does this pop up while I'm investigating this and how have they met and crossed paths? Ah, great dad. So he was born in Pennsylvania and his father was a veteran in Korean War. Just again, devastation. Imagine serving in a war and your husband, sorry, your son dies this way. It is just beyond. So when he dropped out of the school, he became a mechanic. And then there's two theories, whether he was the innocent victim who, you know, received a pizza delivery call and just showed up at the location, and what happened, you know, they put a bomb around his neck, they told him, follow these instructions, you're a bomb hostage now, go to the bank, etc, etc, or you can believe he associated himself with these people, and that's where it led up to. Anyways, this story is still very much a bummer, so uh, we have everything now, don't we, to discuss the motive. Now, the obvious motive is that this was done for greed. You know, as means to the end, he was gonna go through with this. Basically, Mazuri was going to use him to go get the money because the end with the end of her dad would be the end of her own misery. You know, just finally she had the money. She wouldn't depend on these guys. She wouldn't go through any domestic violence. She wouldn't go through any you know psychological torture. Well, you know, or at least that's some logic sort of behind it. But sort of after, okay, so I would have actually agreed with the motive of greed had I not listened to this woman talk. <laughs> it's just, just if you watch Evil Genius, it's just, you, you just imagine yourself as the police detective who is just listening to the woman who can talk end on end. She cannot, like, she wouldn't shut up and then she would slip up you know, reveal, like, some more, but she would, like, try to ask about herself, like, she is innocent in this whole case. And, yeah, if you listen to her talk, well, it's basically very obvious that she wants to show how superior she is, especially towards men, and she wants it to show especially to men. So, like, of course, they put, like, you know, male um, detectives to actually interrogate her, because they know that will trigger the most, yeah, the most emotions. So I believe the true motive was that she was just wanted to show how superior she was to everybody, how much of a mastermind, how, you know, nobody could actually get this whole, whole plot. And, um, yeah, and how well everybody ended up dead and, you know, she will just mastermind everything. To be honest, am I buying the f that she is? No. I would have been impressed because basically she ends up in prison for the freezer murder and she dies from cancer because karma catches up with bitches. Believe it or not, karma catches up to you. So I wouldn't be buying genius theory even then, but I would have been sort of impressed had she managed to play this card, you know, the cancer card, and be like, yep, 
you know, get me cured, manage to plan how to get herself declared innocent, or how to escape from prison, maybe I would be buying, you know, the genius card, but so far, it's just one bummer after the other. She is just, again, just talking the empty talk, like trying to entertain everybody and prove to them that she is better than them. And yep, she was just pitched the core to her death. Had the mental disorders played into this? Yep. Yeah, I believe that there are certain parts of it, that certain things she couldn't control. But again, she never looked to get herself help. There wasn't even an attempt to, like, get herself any help. But I also believe that she was prevalently just calculating and manipulating people into these different plots of her life that made sense to her. So it's cool if your mental disorder tells you, you know, this is the life you should be living, but then she didn't, never knew morally wrong from morally right to, like, to make these decisions in the first place. Still, my karma catches up to you guys. Now, onto the rapid facts that came along with this case. So, since as Bells' clothing added another layer of intrigue, he died wearing the two t-shirts, the outer one, was a guest t-shirt, so like it had a guest clothing logo. This was yet another, you know, mysterious way to taunt them. So it's like, was it another mysterious way to taunt them? It's like, can you guess who is behind this? And again, who was behind the idea for him to put a t-shirt on? Was it the people that, yeah, were his accomplices or was it him himself? So there was this guy who she married through, you know, being a pen pals in prison. They were apparently you know, legally married, and he basically tried after her death to uh, fight for her innocence. <laughs> and this judge was just like, yeah, the habeas corpus act doesn't actually apply, like, she's dead, we can't bring her to the court anymore. She's just another sad story, just, <laughs> just to add to this, the rapid fire facts and not, you know, much more enlightening, and nothing again determinately happens. And the last fact is just a hoard effect. Hey guys, I have something for you. I knew, I knew you would turn up. I knew you would turn up for this episode. So in 1984, investigators found 400 pounds of butter and more than 700 pounds of cheese, nearly all of it rotting, inside her trash-strewn house. Oh my god. Do you know what? I could do 700 pounds of cheese. Like, first of all, don't store it all at the same time. Like, yeah, it will rot. But 700 pounds of cheese. Even if it's cheddar. Even if it's like shittier cheese than cheddar. Do you know what you can do with cheese and butter? Ugh, don't waste food like that. Shame. What do you shame? Sources for this episode have been heavy.com, great website, again, all vibes of the articles, totally not bummers, love it, love the seriousness of it. Wikipedia, Swindle Podcast, Case File Podcast, All That's Interesting, another great website for the, like researching on true crime stuff, yep. Uh, Evil Genius, the documentary on Netflix, Wired article on this case, and uh, the article from New York Times called A Childlike Pizza Delivery Man at the Center of a Puzzling Crime. Well, that's it. Can you believe this case? This case is nuts. This case was so nuts. How fun would it be to have Gossip Girl outros in every episode? Just doesn't make any sense. Doesn't matter. Just have them in there. Just for good old 2007. Fuck, we're old. Yeah. Imagine how much different would it be if Gossip Girl was voiced by me and not Kristen Bell. That would be jokes. Okay. In the crime corner this week, I have an interesting case of yet another Florida man. 
you know, everything happens in Florida. By everything, I mean everything gruesome. It's another, like, family annihilator case, but in this case, the father survives, which is a perfect opportunity for somebody to follow my fucking advice and go into the room with that guy and just be like, okay, we have the facts. Now, uh, why did you do this, sir? This guy killed his wife, kids, and a dog. Again, don't kill humans and definitely don't kill animals. What has an animal done to you? I can't even fucking speak. So this is in Connecticut. The guy is called Anthony Todd. So the family hasn't heard from anybody and then they created a Facebook group titled Looking for the Todd Family, you know, so they can sort of start up the conversation and try to find them. Eventually, obviously, they went to the house and actually found all of the bodies dead, except for Anthony. And once they caught him, he confessed. And this is the time, this is the perfect opportunity for somebody to listen to me. Go, like, you know, psychologist or psychiatrist, go into the room with that guy and be like, okay, great facts, great stuff. Now tell us why. Because here we have a living family annihilator. And as we figured out in the Crystal Foster episode, we don't actually know much about them. So this is a perfect chance for somebody to actually figure out why these people decide to kill their own family, including animals. It's just a different concept that needs more digging. So I'm just keeping up with the corner from last week, this week apparently as well, because I cannot unsee what my eyes have seen this week. And of course, this is a Netflix recommendation. That's not a recommendation. It's just one of those weird things that I'm going to, you know, shove upon you until you like watch it as well and then cannot unsee it ever. So it's this documentary called The Game Changers that husband was watching and I was just minding my own business and then I sort of looked up and I was like, what the fuck is actually happening? Well, first of all, I looked up because Arnold Schwarzenegger is in it and I always forget how his accent sounds. I cannot ever mock somebody's accent. I'm not trying to do that. It's just that man and that accent doesn't fit together. Like if you see me and if you hear my accent, you're like, yeah, that kind of makes sense. Back on the track, come on. So this is one of those documentaries that kind of tries to debunk all the myths about eating meat and like why you should convert to plant-based diet, etc, etc. Don't care about it, sorry, vegetarians and vegans. <laughs> but yeah, so it kind of does it like one by one and then there's this weird study where I swear they have a sample of free men, which again, how is that the correct sampling situation <laughs> to make any deduction? But yeah, so they bring these three men and this doctor, this is when I looked up and I was like, what the fuck am I actually seeing? So this experiment and whatever the fuck they're called, he basically has this little figurine of a dick and he shows them this device that they're gonna put around like the girth of the penis and they're gonna sleep with it for a couple of nights to see like how many erections they have based on when they have meaty dinner versus when they have plant-based dinner. So I have not followed through that. I just laughed through that part and I just switched off because I truly didn't care. But these men looked petrified. <laughs> these men were like, oh my god, somebody's gonna measure like how my dick reacts versus... <laughs> Anyways. So it's something to do with like, well, how how many times it erects versus like, what happens with the girth, so is it thickened? <laughs> oh god. I don't know guys, does your dick get like thicker when you, know, you eat meat versus, versus when you eat plant, it's just, you know, erect like and, and bigger in size. Everybody's dream, isn't it? Let's debunk everybody's 
this is the way you debunk myths. You just tell people if you eat plants, your dick is gonna enlarge its height. This has to be seen though. Just play the game changers and you know, skip, skip, skip until you see the weirdest part of it, and that, that would be it. Yep, so I'm definitely not recommending watching this. It just is in my head. I cannot unsee it, so now you have to have weird shit in your head while you're listening to it at work. Yeah, good job. Listening or watching to anything new? Nope, it's just good old stuff. Grace and Frankie is on Netflix, so I haven't even been watching any new crime shit on there. Just, you know, Grace and Frankie through the week. Keeping it light, keeping it a positive. And I suggest you do the same. But you know, don't listen to me. And if this episode taught you one thing, don't trust anybody. Don't trust your own shadow, especially not somebody who like places a bomb around your neck. No, get the fuck out of that situation straight away. You know, and if you catch some minutes while you're trying to avoid crime and being involved in crime and being involved in the murderous plot, you know, check out my feeds, yeah? Check out everywhere my podcast is published. Check out the Twitter feed at MotivePod. Write me an email, yeah? Go back to good old times. Go back to the dial-up era, yeah? You'll find a fucking dial-up in this era, yeah? Can you? Can you? It's a challenge. It's a challenge. Go for it. If all of you listen to me, we'd just be calling like Virgin Media right now, being like, hey, I just really want to go back to dial-up era. Can you make it happen? Please make it happen. It's but luckily you don't listen to all of my episodes that intently, because by now you would have been dead. Because I never told you to exhale, in, you know. Because remember when I told you to inhale in the first episode when uh, we were going through the gruesome stuff from like Robert Picton's life? Yep, yeah, I, I never told you to exhale. So be happy you're alive, and I haven't actually brainwashed you. <laughs> you might want to check the Twitter feed because it has a sneak peek of what's coming on in February. They're all heavy hitters, because I fucking hate February. February is like, what, what is happening? January is like the longest month, and then February is like the shortest, and it's just all pointless, okay? Let's just stop, let's just have a year that has 10 months. And to all of you laughing at my shit while listening to my podcast at work, you're the true heroes. This is what I was doing, this is what I still am doing, okay? Just on the sly. Yeah, just keep it, just keep the chuckles to yourself, or just, you know, run to the toilet and just burst into laughter and then just stay in that toilet for the rest, like, 30-40 minutes, yeah. <laughs> now this advice corner of this podcast is over, you know, go keep doing God's missions, you know? Go out there and make the world a better place, one motive at a time. XOXO, Gossip Girl.